By embracing their natural strengths, women advisors are upending the status quo and challenging the financial industry with a more authentic approach to doing business. Welcome to the Femex Advisor Podcast, where we empower female financial advisors to fearlessly embrace their authentic selves. Adri Miller-Heckman, the founder of Femex Advisor, inspires and empowers women to leverage their natural strengths, creating more energy, passion, and success. Follow along for female-driven, inspirational, and motivational strategies for you to create the extraordinary life you have always wanted. Okay. Well, welcome, everybody, to today's Femex Advisor podcast. I'm Adri Miller-Heckman, founder of Femex Advisor, where women fearlessly embrace their authentic self. You know, sometimes life takes you full circle. And that doesn't mean that the decisions you made along the way were wrong, because every decision gives you experience, it gives you knowledge, it gives you wisdom, it builds your confidence. The key is being open, listening to your heart, listening to what God is telling you, listening to the universe. So, Really, you don't have to have it all together now. Each of these steps is part of your journey. Well, my guest today, she went full circle. (laughs) Nikki Clark is a financial advisor's best friend. She's the owner and president of Nikki Clark Marketing. It's a full-service marketing company for financial advisors. But what makes Nikki unique is that She has experience in the industry and really has greater insight than most marketers. And you're going to learn why. So welcome to the call, Nikki. Thank you. So I know people say it every time, but I'm very excited to be here. It's always fun to share (laughs) what what you've experienced in life, right? So you went full circle, started in marketing, Mm-hmm. You w- then went and spent many years in financial services, and now you're back to marketing. Take us through this journey. What the heck were you thinking? <laughs> so actually, I started in marketing. Well, I started in marketing. I wanted to do that, and I wanted to be an interior decorator. And then I was just so ready to graduate. I was like, I'm not going to take two I, two more credits. It was all it was going to take to get a minor in um, interior decorating. But, you know, you were just ready to just finish. And then I just, I started working in retail and spent many years there. And retail is, it's hurry up and ask for forgiveness later. And then years down the road, I had my first baby and she's a miracle baby. And um, the the retail life just wasn't working for what I wanted yeah, to do. Tough on a family. Very tough. Um, So just had some very you know, thoughts with the family and what we're going to do. And I ended up working for a financial firm based out of Dallas, Texas. And the thought was for me to go and be a financial planner because I love numbers. I love spreadsheets. I'm like partially Monica from Friends, just super organized. And I got my FPQP, which is an assistant to a financial planner. Wait, I got to stop you there. This is very uh, like a dichotomy. Creative... And numbers oriented. I mean, that's a rare combination. 
Okay. It, Keep going. Yeah. My daughter is the same way. So I'm sporting her bracelets. There you go. But she loves, um, she loves creating, but she also loves robotics and engineering. Wow. And so, and I was, while I was getting my FPQP, I kept getting marketing. People needed help in the firm with marketing. I was like, oh, I can do that. And I can do that too. And they, so it just kept coming in. And I just realized I don't want to give this part up. This part is really fun and important to me, especially for my creative side. So the the firm actually created, this is in 2015 when marketing really kind of wasn't mm. even widely accepted, not let alone like heard of in finance. And I got my toes dipped in everything. I did event planning, you know, and um, did still, still attended client meetings, took notes. So I was doing it all and just absolutely loved it. Uh, 100%. I still think I might go back to school for another, you know, alphabet soup at the end of my name, I'm looking at one, but they'll be later. But because I, I absolutely love numbers. And then, um, you know, life happens and we decided and right before COVID happened, we had already decided to move. We wanted a better life for our family and our daughter. And we had bought a house here in East Tennessee and then COVID hit and we were like, what are Whoa. we going to do? <laughs> what do we do? Like, do we cancel everything? Actually, it was easier to move because there was no one around, no traffic, and people were desperate for work. So we had a moving truck move us like, what, 14, 15 hours for $200. You can't <gasps> beat that. So now, were you still working with the wealth management firm? No, I really, we stayed for a long time because of that firm, because I loved it so much. But ultimately, what we got to do is best for the family. Um, I, we were driving, I was in commuting about an hour and a half, one way every day. And that mm -hmm. just wasn't worth it for me. And so when we got to Tennessee, I started working for UBS and I was supposed to be their marketing person. And I ended up being on uh, the phone with insurance companies all day, following up on insurance claims. I was like, this, this isn't working. And at that same time, the firm back in Dallas asked me if I would like to work on a contract basis. So picked up right where I left off and I was with them actually for a total of eight years instead of five. And, you know, while at UBS was trying to find my stride, I just, I didn't want to be on the phone and um, ended up work getting hired by Samantha Russell with 20 over 10. And then the next month they were bought out by FMG. And so everything was just like, looking back now, everything fell in place a hundred percent. At the time I was like, okay, what, what, what's going on? But I see now how everything has fallen in place. Right. And has it just kind me, of merged. Yeah. And because all these, all these skills that I need to have now, I gained from all of those experiences. So they've helped me out immensely. And then I was doing side work while working at FMG. And it just got to the point where I was working two jobs for Nikki Clark Marketing and FMG, and it just wasn't feasible anymore. I was back, I felt like I was back in retail. <laughs> so, I mean, there was nights when my sweet little daughter would come upstairs, my office is upstairs, and she would bring me pizza, and I'd be eating at like 10 p.m. at night. My oh. So it got to the point where. So it, it was, was a quality of life issue mm -hmm. at this point. Oh, yeah. Um. Yeah. You go through experiences in life, and you realize, I 
can do these two jobs and I can make a lot of money, but I'm never going to see my family. I'm never going to get to be outside. And what's, what's the point if I can't even enjoy it? So yeah, definitely. Um, And my daughter was really upset with me. So, you know, and when I announced that, you know, Nikki Clark marketing, she's my biggest fan. She made me business cards and stickers and told, told her whole school that I was a CEO and everything, but um, and so now here we are, it's, I've been officially doing it for three years, but, you know, officially launched June 5th of this year. Wow. That's kind of scary, right? You're leaving a job. You've got a regular paycheck. You know what you're doing and you voluntarily and not all the, you know, a lot of the decisions you made were based on external factors, family Mm -hmm. factors, right? There's always a motivation to make a change. And I'm sure a lot of those changes were kind of scary, but it sounds Mm -hmm. like you had a lot of confidence in yourself to get a job and to find a path. Imposter syndrome is real. Yeah. So um, I do and did have confidence, but luckily there was, I have a really good group of core people and my husband who had to smack me upside the head more than once and be like, no, you can do this. Otherwise I would have listened to that imposter and I don't know where I'd be. At what point was that imposter syndrome the biggest? It's what job? Le- it never leaves. I know. <laughs> um, it, it doesn't leave. I, I had a big one yesterday where I'm like, this is crazy. I feel beyond blessed. I like, I do, I even deserve any of this, (laughs) you know, and it never leaves. Some of my biggest heroes in the industry, people I look up to always tell me, no, it's always still there. Um, The biggest one was a couple of weeks before, before launch. I'm like, who am I to get to do this? Like, this is for really cool people. What, you know, who am I? I live in, I mean, we went from living in Dallas with our neighborhood of being 3 million people. My neighborhood now is 3000. So like, I'm this little country girl doing marketing and it's, it's hard, but um, like I said, really amazing friends, my husband, just solid rock and the clients I had already had just helped me. You just got to push through. So did you ever consider becoming a financial advisor? Mm-hmm. Yes. Because you had licenses, right? I have my, I have my FPQP. I have to take con- continuing education for that. What is the um, FPQP? I'm not familiar is, with that. It's called a, well, it used to, it's a financial player, player planner. Okay. So it's just an assistant to a financial advisor. My role as the FPQP would be to sit in on meetings, right. take the notes, um, occasionally give my little input to clients, but I, you know, I, I couldn't make the plans, but I could review the plans and catch errors and, you know, do the math and, and, and put it into the computer. So what was your perception, you know, of the industry? I think you were the only woman at that firm. Is that correct? No, I wasn't. There was some powerful women at that firm, which was awesome. And one of them completely, I used to have a really bad attitude. I'll say pre-2016, I was one of those, woe is me, life's not fair. Whoa. And she sat me down in a nice way. This is going to come sound harsh, but it was a much nicer way. She had a great way of delivering it. She said, 
if you keep up this attitude, you're going to have a lot of trouble in life and this place isn't for you. So then she got me started reading um, personal development mindset. And I started going to church a lot more again um, and just had, I was like, wow, the problem has been me all along. Wow. So, Were you always negative like that up until that point? Or yeah. was there a, there's life events that happen yeah. for sure. Yes. And it was just a, it was a tough spot. I was in a really tough spot and um, you know, family dynamics repeat themselves. Yes. And so um, it was, I'm glad she did that. It was such a tough conversation, but I'm, I'm thankful for her every single day. You know, it's funny um, when I was, a sales assistant at Prudential, and I was working under the biggest producer, and he had me become a financial advisor, which I love sales. And I remember wearing my favorite boots from France that I had bought, and I had this long skirt and a top with a vest, and he sat me down and he said, Adri, I don't want an earth mama working for me. <laughs> And and I immediately said, okay. And I left the office and went to my mom's house and raided her. (laughs) But sometimes we need that hard truth because we only know what we know. We only Mm -hmm. see what we see. Yep. So you start reading, you start changing your attitude. What was the pivotal point after that? So um, one of my favorite books is called Mindset by Carol Dweck. And it was studies show that you can literally change your brain. Like you don't have to think the way you think you have to think. If you caught that at all, like you're not stuck. You're not a tree. You can literally move, but you can rewire your brain. And that was encouraging to me because I felt like I didn't know how else to think. And so once I started doing that and and learning about that, um, at the time I was also a single mom raising a little, you know, human being trying to survive on four hours of sleep. But after I'd noticed like just these little changes, like when gratitude sets in, things look brighter, things look better. You're like, oh, I don't have the resources for that. That's okay. We'll, we'll find a way to make it work. And just something, just something clicked. And, um, my boss had always told me write three things down that you're grateful for every day. And I thought it was so hokey, but it changed. It changed. I don't do it anymore. Maybe I should, but it does. It's like, wow, I have a lot to be thankful for. You know, like one of my favorite quotes, and I think I'm going to mess it up somehow or another, but it was says, I remember the days I prayed for what I have now. And that was huge because I remember I was, you know, I grew up incredibly poor. And so one day I was looking at myself, I'm like, I have my own house, my own apartment. I'm healthy. I have a beautiful daughter. I have a dog. We have food. We have a car. You know, life is not that bad. Yeah. So um, the attitude and gratitude for sure. And then it's amazing. When you stop being a negative person, people respond better. Oh, It's, it's shocking. And I was like, wow, my relationships are better. <laughs> like everything. You know, it's, a, it's interesting. In my coaching practice, we do two live retreats. And in one of those retreats, we create, I hand out index cards and we create affirmation statements. Now I still have them by my 
in my bathroom. And some of you who have heard my podcast probably heard this before. And right now they've got toothpaste all over them. They're all bent. They've gotten water on them. But it's five things that I wanted to focus on now. And I will tell you, one was I wanted to hit in the low 90s in golf. And by God, I ended up hitting in the low 90s. I don't stay in the low 90s, but I'm working on it. Okay? But I hit it. Another one was I will get an offer to buy my business. I got an offer to buy my business. Was it the right offer? Nope. But that both of those sparked new visions, right? One of them is I love and appreciate my husband and and share or show my love daily. It's so easy. That simple little statement, it just puts it in your brain. Mm-hmm. So you you come from the industry. Let's shift a little bit here to marketing and financial advisors, <laughs> which also is a little bit of a dichotomy. I don't think they quite understand the importance of marketing today. Talk about that. Um, No, they don't. And I speak with a lot of advisors who are just coming out of the CFP course or whatever course they're taking. And they tell me all the time, they didn't realize the marketing that they were going to have to do. And they, they just, they, they don't have the resources or time to do that because they're trying to build a business. And luckily we're, we're far, we're, yeah, we're 2023 now where people are, are realizing, advisors are realizing that uh, marketing is kind of not negotiable anymore. No, but um, I think there's still, except for the young youngins coming in who grew up on social media, there's still a, a thought of, if I make this one post, I'm going to get tons of leads or, you know, cause that's how, yeah. I mean, I grew up, I grew up, um, you put an ad in the paper and that's what would work. That's my, the, when I went to school for marketing, we were putting ads out or billboards and stuff. And that's what would work. And this level of marketing just isn't that fast. And that's a no. hard pill to swallow. And it's very, you have to be repetitive. It has yes. to keep happening. Yeah. And that's hard. Like you're telling me to invest my time and my money in something I can't see results in for over about, you know, nine months a year. That's why gym memberships fail. That's why diets fail because it's really hard to not have a tangible ROI tomorrow. Yeah. So, but marketing consists of a lot of things, right? And A lot of what we focus on at Femex Advisor in in the first growth program, you have to have a powerful message. Mm -hmm. And so for my advisors, they're focusing more on women and their message. It takes it takes time to create that message. But once they get it, it's it's really coming from inside. It's truly authentic. It's real. It's not this. Hey, I'm this brilliant financial advisor. I have all these years of experience. I have a great platform, right? What is it you should be sharing in your marketing about you and your practice? Yeah, mm. platforms are great. People don't really care. No, they <laughs> like, don't. Um, 
I don't care about the platform. That's something that you should be doing yourself. You're going to need to tell me how you're going to change my life. And that's where advisors are struggling hard because it is hard. You know, it's a highly regulated industry. You have to be incredibly careful what you say. And, but the thing is money is emotional. And so you, you're just going to have to get in touch with those feelings. It's just at that time. That's how marketing has shifted um, right now. Also, we're seeing storytelling and emotional, I don't want to say emotional selling because I think that's uh, shady, but we need to get in touch with emotions. We need to be, as advisors, people are saying, you all look and sound the same. Yeah. You're going to have to what makes you different. Well, what makes you different is your story. And that's how people connect with you. So that's where right now um, it's it's hard for me. Like it's hard for me to get personal and I'm not an advisor. But it's really it's hard. almost like you have to be vulnerable. Right? Oh, yeah. I mean, when I was a financial advisor and I focused on women, I used my personal story about my mom and dad in every conversation. And what that did, right? I always talk about the relationship scale. Zero, you don't even know this person exists. Ten, they're your loyal client raving fan. Mm-hmm. And when you share you know, somebody will say, well, what do you do? I might say, well, I run a wealth practice specifically for women. They'll say, what do you mean by that? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, let me tell you why I focus on women. You share that story. You immediately go from a zero to a five. Yep. And that five holds. It holds because that story was emotional. They remember stories and they believe you. And if I was willing to share something that was so meaningful to me and allow myself to be a little vulnerable, they're going to remember it and they're going to trust me that I'm going to tell them the truth on other things. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's vulnerability builds trust and it builds relationships. And that's just people want to be able to trust their advisor. They are literally handing over their livelihood to this person they're not going to do it to just anyone. They, they need to know. So other than having, so my feeling is with my clients having that message, what's the next step? So, yeah, you have to have that message, that, that connection for sure. And then you're going to have to niche. You just, you just are. So I have a lot of clients who are like, I don't want to target anyone specific because I don't want to leave anyone out. Mm. Mm. And it's like, okay, well then you're going to be throwing like it's a needle in a haystack. We can go forward with this, but you're going to have to put in a lot of work. And the reason, and you already know <laughs> why niching You're talking works. to the choir here. I, I mean, we all we already know why, why niching works. But the, the main thing is that I always hear also is when a client does finally decide to niche, the people that they thought they were leaving out are still there and still coming. They're still coming, but you're attracting more of what you want. Yeah. And it just, it's just working smarter, not harder, but it's scary. It's hard. It is so hard, but I usually say, Hey, it hey, is scary. You know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and expecting different results. So you've been doing this for a while and it's not working. It's not working. Let's try this for six months. And if you don't like it, we can go back to your way. 
I have not had one person go back to like a broad spectrum. Of you know, I always related it to being um, a chameleon. We have a lot of lizards down here and chameleons will change their color to fit the environment. Well, that's what advisors are doing that don't really focus in on a, what I call tribal market. Mm-hmm. And so a chameleon is hard to find. They're hard to find because they're always blending in. But there's nothing substantial that people will remember about you. Not at all. They're saying they look all the same and sound the same. And fear is such, such a deterrent because I used to, most advisors, they know they need to market to women better. They know women are the most lucrative market going forward, but, but won't I piss off the men? And I'm like, how much faith do you have in men? The majority of men are expecting you to prospect them. And when you say, you know, this year, it's the year of the woman. This is our focus. And they're going to go, oh, excuse me, why? And they really listen and they learn more about you. And therefore, you attract more of everyone. Well, and you attract the people that you want to work with. Because if yes. you're here, if you are repelling certain people who don't like that message, you probably don't want to work with them. They're not going to be your ideal client. Ugh. And they suck the living life out of you. They sure will. They will use up every minute possible. So so let's say you have a message, you've picked a niche, you've got drip marketing, email marketing, you've got social media, um, you've got ads, and you've got events and seminars. Now, Mm -hmm. the events and seminars that we do and that we promote for women are very different, much smaller, intimate events, engaging events, right? Some advisors are still using the um, male houses, you know, butts in the seat. How many butts can you get in the seat? That's not what we do here. But what would you say is the most important area to focus on in marketing as you start out with a marketing company? All right. As you start out, goodness, there's two that are in my head. So as you start out, the very first thing someone is going to do when they, because this Business is built on referrals. So the very first thing someone is going to do when they are referred to you is they're going to go online. And if you're not there, yeah. if you're not present, if you have a LinkedIn page that hasn't been posted on for a year, it loses credibility. And I'm not saying social media is the number one almighty thing at all. I don't think it is. I think it's bad for our mental health. I have to take many breaks from it. But you asked me a question, and so that's that's my answer. You need to be present. You don't need to be on every platform, nor can you, and do a good job. I was When I started out, (laughs) I tried every single platform, and I burnt myself out so bad. I am now 90% on LinkedIn and 10% on Twitter. Mm. Keep telling myself I'm going to get on YouTube and Instagram, but that's been two years. So... You want to find that one social media platform yeah. where you can add your credibility because that's what people are looking for is the credibility aspect. And I have one little thing here. If you have a website, which you probably do, and you have your social media icons down there, like connect with me on LinkedIn or connect with me on Facebook. 
and you're not on those platforms and you haven't posted in a year, remove those icons Uh, because it actually hurts your credibility. Right. And so I would say that's where you need to start because it's going to, you're going to, you're going to suck at first. You're not (laughs) going to be good in the beginning, but you're going to get better. And then that's going to help you with your writing. And then you can move into email because email is the highest ROI for your marketing efforts. And I think that advisors, the number one reason people leave advisors, lack of communication. Well, that's an easy problem to solve if you're emailing. Right. Don't, you should not be emailing every week at all. You want to find the right cadence that works. So my very first thing would be social media. Don't go out and do all platforms and don't post every single day. Start out small, get comfortable, and then somewhat quickly move into email marketing. Those would be the top two. Mm. And then you can start off biting more as you go along, but it should be baby steps because unless you want to hire five or six people. You know, you really need to hire. I mean, I am very much against financial advisors doing their own marketing. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's not your brilliance. You know, typically when I go through this, um, your unique brilliance quiz, financial advisors, it's all about relationships, connecting with people, um, providing solutions. They don't put in their unique brilliance box marketing. Okay. In fact, they probably put marketing in their incompetence and competence boxes that they should never be touching. Right. So using a company like yours, you need to find somebody who loves marketing. It's their brilliance. Yeah. Right? Uh, the one thing that's hard is it's not cheap. And so it is an investment. It is. And but well, that's a great thing. Pfizer's are great with money. That's where they got to where they are. They need to think of marketing. Just like they think about investments, just like they're teaching their clients, you have to start now. You have to be consistent and you don't want to stop and like, or you don't want to um, day trade. Right. It's the same thing for marketing, but it is an investment. And that's why I always, if I have a client who is just starting out or, or has a small budget, we just start with one thing. Yes. You're even just doing one thing. That's going to be really good. But it's not cheap because you said earlier, marketing is a is a lot of things now these days. You know, there are so many advisors. So a big part of marketing to women is hosting events. And I say events, not seminars, because they're very different Mm -hmm. and we keep them small. But 99 percent of the advisors that I that that I talk to say, yeah, they've done this, they've done a little this, they've done a little this, but they've never been consistent with their events. And it's the same concept. And so I tell them, I want you to have a branding event that is fun, that is repeatable, and I want it every month, every month. And it gets easy because it's every month. But if it's not every month, how can somebody refer a friend to go again because they never know when it's going to happen again. The consistency matters. So really, I would say, look at what you're doing now in terms of marketing, pull back Mm -hmm. and 
really find a company like Nikki Clark Marketing and check out Nikki Clark or another marketing company that um, may suit you better and start somewhere and invest because it will give you the return you want. I mean, if you think about when I started in the business, I was cold calling commodities. It was an instantaneous, you're going to buy, I'm putting in the ticket, you send me a check, boom, 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 boom. Now, it, it just doesn't happen like that. And so you have to build this brand and momentum. And the credibility. Which is huge. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So you've had a long journey, and I love it that you understand the industry. You know, and you can speak to the advisors using terminology that they understand. Being that they're tough, why did you decide to focus on financial advisors? Oh, well, I mean, it just naturally happened when I started working at the firm in Dallas. And I, you know, the biggest thing was, so I came from retail where it was cutthroat. I mean, it was commissions. It was, I was a, not commissions. I was a manager, district manager and all that, but it, I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. And then I moved into um, finance. And the one thing I kept seeing over and over, and I've, I've been very lucky to work with great advisors, is they literally drop everything for their clients. And it just blew my mind because you didn't have that in retail. And so all of this was new to me. And I would see, you know, they would go to the funerals. They would go to their weddings. They would help them out with health insurance claims. They would drive them if their car broke down on the side of the road. I mean, they would drop everything for their clients because, because they care. It wasn't that they were schmoozing. It's they got so close with their clients because they cared about them. And I was like, this is kind of unheard of. And it it blew my mind. Um, just the- You were very fortunate that you worked for that one company because it sounds like with that woman who sat you down- and then the other advisors. And, you know, you can do that kind of service when you're not bringing in a whole bunch of $200,000 clients. Yes. I will say we had a rather high minimum, but um, it was nice. I liked that level of service. I really enjoyed it. And it just, I don't like that's. I did not work out at a broker because I don't like selling products to people. Yeah, I want to help them. And I got to yeah. be part of that. I love that. One piece of advice that you would like to give the listeners. I think that the, the latest thing right now is don't be so robotic and don't be so uptight. Financial services is no, people would rather go see a dentist than a financial advisor. And we, we really got to change that. And yes, there are rules and regulations, but you can still be personable and still be real and abide by those regulations. Stop using the industry jargon. No one oh. knows what half of these acronyms mean. I don't know what they mean. And just have fun. You're, you are allowed. Fun. You're allowed. Like yeah. it's it's okay. Um, and for the women advisors out there, I would say just keep your head up. It's, it's hard. It's really hard. I, I see it and I've seen it and I know what it's like. And it's not easy at all, 
but I think I the ones I saw that stood up for themselves held their head up high no matter what they would cry behind doors but no one saw them and pushed through and had mentors yes that's big um don't give up because because of what I saw I'm I'm here and it's really incredible uh what can happen you know when women are in Every successful financial advisor, female financial advisor is changing the industry for Mm -hmm. good. Every one of them. And you may be making big changes or little tiny changes, but you're moving the industry in the direction it needs to go. So folks, Nikki, thank you for being on the call. If you want to learn more about Nikki's marketing strategy, go to Nikki Clark marketing.com. Yes. Fabulous. And is there a, a built out page that talks about your program or what you do? There is a services page. Um, right. yeah, we're, we're act- when I say we, I mean, me and my husband, we are actually kind of in the middle of rebranding. So pardon the mess, okay. I guess, if you want to say, but, um, there is a list of services that are offered. Fabulous. And it, ladies or gentlemen, whoever's listening to this call, if you love what we're doing, if you love what you're hearing, please share our podcast with your friends, to other advisors within the industry. And if you want to learn more about our whole approach and what we do at Femex Advisor, then just visit us at femexadvisor.com and book a strategy call. We'll teach you more about the coaching and what's happening at Femex Advisor. Thank you all. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Femex Advisor podcast with Adri Miller-Heckman. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available and connect with Adri on LinkedIn. To learn more, visit Adri's website at femexadvisor.com. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Femex Advisor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only.